Do you think people think you're strange because you sort of compare everything <laughs> that cyclist is? Why was she announcing? There's a cyclist going past. We're just getting Ray Ray out of the way. You're like, you've got some weird disease. Like you think you're a sports commentator. You're putting your hand in the, your handbag. You're itching your nose you're... now. <laughs> uh... This week on Walking the Dog, I took my dog Raymond for a stroll with the very wonderful Connie Huck, who, full disclosure, is a very good pal of mine. That's why I'm a bit unprofessional and keep calling her Con throughout. I wouldn't do that with everyone. I wouldn't call Barack Obama Barry. Actually, let's face it, I totally would. Anyway, Connie is, as you'll hear, just a total delight. Her birth name is Connock, which means gold in Sanskrit. And that's very appropriate because I think she emanates a sort of warm glow. We talked about her childhood in Ealing with her three sisters, her degree from Cambridge, getting the gig at Blue Peter, and also the time when she met her husband, Charlie Brooker, of Black Mirror fame, and just knowing he was the man she was going to have a family with. It's so romantic, I love it. Connie has also just written a children's book called Cookie and the Most Annoying Boy in the World, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's really funny. It's about friendship and feeling different and the importance of not trying to just be like everyone else. It says it's for 8 to 12-year-olds on the back, but I couldn't put it down. And I'm definitely a little over her age range, so I really recommend it. It's the kind of book you just wish you'd had growing up. The book is published on August the 8th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, and you should. I really hope you enjoy our chat. If you do, rate, review and subscribe. Here's Connie. He looks really wet, Con. Oh, little Ray Ray. But he doesn't mind the rain, does he? Well, he just seems quite happy. Well, he's not doing the sort of cowering or whimpering thing that some, you know, rain haters might do in such conditions. He's not a shaky dog, which is important to me. I know. you. Yeah, he's got confidence. He's only tiny, but he's got confidence. He holds himself with sort of poise for something of his shape. It's hard to hold yourself you? with poise <laughs> when you're kind of like, when you're sort of like a wig on legs. It's I'm just... leaving. I've been here five minutes. No, and I'm so it's inside. such a cute look. I'd much rather be that than many other dogs. Con, can you see what's happening? Oh, yeah. We're having a toilet moment. Can oh, I just say? You. You're so prepared. You're so good. I don't think I'm organised enough for dogs. I'm not even organised enough for children. <laughs> oh, you've got all the kit. Look how... Em's now getting out the uh, technical... Pooper scooper bag. It's actually just a polythene bag, but look how tiny oh, his look are. how well you did that. Come on, Ray. Oh, Con, oh he's look, over there. He's doing more, no? Con, yes. um when I when you and I get together. Yeah. We can't stop we talking. We sort of don't stop talking. I know, and I'm that's why I've decided to rein myself in because I don't know if like that's good for for everyone to hear no, my mustn't. verbal diatribe. Because the thing is this is about you. So I want, I'm not going to say as much as you. Oh no, yeah, right. this is um, terrible. This will be need... your lowest rated podcast. I need to introduce you properly and formally. Uh, yeah, don't you have to do a professional thing? We're just yeah. talking. We didn't, you didn't go hello. Hello and welcome to Walking the Dog this week with me, Emily Dean. You didn't, you, you, just, you, just, you just went into it. But um, only I'm not this is with her, the Emily dog. Dean. Yeah. I'm Emily Dean and I'm with a very wonderful lovely Aww. friend of mine connie hart do you say that to all the podcasties no i know you don't because I, I don't I, I actually <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled to be doing this oh, because i'm thrilled and we're doing it we'll talk we'll get to this oh, but look we're doing all those strapping 
strapping sporty types over there. How are you doing, Connor? Well, I don't know where we are, like by the being way. in Central Park, New York, suddenly. Oh, careful. They've all got, like, look, they're doing basketball or something. Look at this, it's very sporty. This is my local park where people are very sporty. Can we say what part of London we're in? Can, I, can we also say that it's pissing down with rain? So oh, no. in this part of London, people are sporty even in torrential downpour. We can say, let's say it. We're in leafy Ealing. And the queen of the suburbs in the west of London. And we're with Raymond, my dog, because you don't have a dog. I, but I don't, but Raymond's like a surrogate dog to me. Well, Wouldn't you say? Your, your kids love... Um, oh, they do. They love Ray. In fact, can I just say, did my son not coin the term Ray Ray? Which is the preferred choice of name He did. young Huxley, Raymond. You've got Covey and Huxley. And Charlie Brooker, your husband, mm. who I adore. But the problem is Charlie gets... Charlie's a real catastrophist. Oh, yeah. So this is why I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I will. This is why I think it would be tricky having a dog, because when I've brought Ray Ray over, Charlie will sometimes say, is he going to be okay over there? Is, it, is that going to be okay? It's a bit sunny. and is it... I feel he worries so much that Raymond's going to die every minute. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, he does that with our children <laughs> as well, really. So... Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. Oh, oh, can I just say, Ray looks so cute now that his coat is wet. Because he's all straggly. And Ray's coat is a long, shaggy coat. So, Connor, I want yeah. to talk me through your manor. Because this okay. is where you grew up, isn't it? Yeah, so I grew up in Ealing. And, and then I've moved back to Ealing. And I was, Charlie was like, when we were looking for where to go, next for the family home yeah you know i was like oh no isn't that regressive isn't it like those american films where they move back to the small town or they go back to the small town they don't move back they're not as sad as me go back to the small town they grew up in and it's yeah. like all really insular and so i fought it at first and indeed like a sweet in home my first week, <laughs> yeah in my first week of coming back to Ealing, I bumped into my chemistry teacher in Ealing border and i thought oh no this is oh, the shape really? of things to come Especially because she predicted me a much lower grade than my predicted grades. Like, I'm still bitter and twisted about this for university entry. But then my head of sixth form, John Sargent's wife, changed that. That's just a coincidence. Oh, it's John Sargent's wife. Was that your head of sixth form, John Sargent's wife? Yeah. You just casually threw that she in. She just casually Look, changed my there. Should we yeah. go in there? Is this, just are we, are we to get a bit rainy? on the whole scenario of walking the dog? We're just doing tea. Well, we've chosen. Tea, tea with the dog. Can we rename this episode? <laughs> Look, Con. I have to come in. Take shelter. Look, even the cafe has Raymond, its doors open. Look at Ray. Hanging out the come door, with us, Ray. Welcoming okay. all the wet people inside. <laughs> okay. Take shelter. Oh. Oh. Um, what shall I order? Hot chocolate tea. They will do a mocha, I reckon. <laughs> if they don't, let's go. I'll just have what you're having. I'll have tea if they don't. So we've got Ray here in between us. What Con. are you having, Em? Uh, cappuccino. I'm a grown-up. Fancy. <laughs> Mocha's grown-up, isn't it? Look at Ray. I didn't go straight hot chocolate. I'm going to dry him off. So he's happy. We were, just, he's so, happy. just so people are aware, we were walking and it was getting so rainy. We've decided to come into the cafe in Connie's local park. We're overlooking the tennis courts. It's raining. Connie's it's got. It's nice, isn't it? We're on a deck terrace. And talk me through. Area. So this was your area. I was saying you moved. You've this moved to Charlie Booker, your husband, and your kids, but. You grew up, I feel I know a bit about your childhood and when I first got to know you, I got you wrong, I think. Mm, and you got me all wrong. Did you hate me at first? Were you like, ugh, there's an awful Connie Huck? No, but I think I made a very lazy assumption, which is that 
you came from a sort of affluent family. Your dad was probably a surgeon yeah. or an accountant. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. is lazy you and wrong. You thought rich Asian girl. I d well, I think I thought, because I knew you'd gone to private school, and I'm interested for you to talk a, a bit about how you grew up, because it wasn't like that really, was it? No, well, my dad wasn't a surgeon. He was actually, so he came over in the 60s, my mum and my dad, uh, because my mum wasn't even really, she didn't have, she had primary sort of, maybe a bit of secondary education, but my dad actually went to university. So he became um, a recruit on Prudential, you know, Prudential of Hoban. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. So he came over to be an actuary, but then like myself, he gets bored of things. He was a trainee mm. actuary. So he opened an Indian restaurant on Brewer Street. Yeah. And, but you know, having your own business, he had to work hard and they, so they sent all of us children to private school. And that was three, that's you, your sister, Rupert. Yeah, who's also my local MP. Weird. I know, how weird is I that? Love that? We yeah. moved here, can I say, before she was the MP. We didn't move in for, you know, benefits, nepotism, <laughs> none of that. And actually it was and really weird sister. when she was standing because we'd get leaflets through the letterbox with her face on. <laughs> and like the kids would be like, Auntie's face has come through the letters. It was confusing. And you know, people put their signboards outside their house <laughs> yeah. with her name on it. It was all a bit weird. And then oh, yes, my eldest sister, who's nine years older than me, yeah. who lives not far from this park actually. And We're actually she in her hood. She's an architect um, by profession, but a housewife. She's an architect in theory, but in practice <laughs> a housewife. She but you're real like high achievers, you girls, aren't you? Well, in your so fields. because our parents came over in the 60s to give us a good education, that yeah, was yeah. it. And we were reminded of that really, sort of, you know, they, you know, in the school holidays when everyone else was playing around, they tried to make us do like let's revision guides and st stuff like that. Not that we really did because we rebelled against. And they were first generation. They were from Bangladesh. They'd come over. Yeah, they? yeah. But we weren't the rich kids at the at the private school. We were like the poor kids at the private school because all the money was just paying our fees. If you see what I mean. But you know what? They I were quite aspirational. I remember they bought carpet and curtains from Selfridges. But like, I think it was on the higher purchase, so I don't know. But you know, things like, you know, you were, if you came to our house, you might not realize that the weather, I mean, we weren't the poor kids. Obviously they had a bit of money to be able to send us to private school, but we, we were assisted places. So, di and did you have that sense? I didn't go on the skiing trips then. No, I didn't either. We didn't go on the school. We didn't. We were we? the poor kids in the private school. And I know that's kind of what how like we're I quite think that's why we bonded. Yeah. Because I think also that we were surrounded by Sloney girls <laughs> flicking their hair, and we were trying to pretend to be them, weren't we? <laughs> the less privileged girl in the private school. Like they all had detached houses. Mine was end of terrace. <laughs> it was a semi. Yeah, I like to call it a semi. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about But this. we had quite a big plot, because we were a corner plot. So our garden oh. went round the side, which was brilliant. When I interviewed Nahal Athanayaka, he made a really interesting point about that, just that his sense that his parents, similarly, he felt that there'd almost been a sense of them not, not following their passions in a way. You know, it wasn't like they had that sense of, this is the job I've wanted to do all my life, but they did they work so that their kids could be in a position to do that. Do you think that yeah. was true of your parents? Definitely, definitely. I mean, the whole thing of coming over here, 
Because, you know, they didn't particularly want to leave their family behind and all of that stuff. And it, it wasn't cheap yeah. to fly back to Bangladesh, especially not in those days. And it wasn't, you know, common. Airplane flight wasn't what it is now. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, and did they have an arranged marriage comp? Yeah. They would have totally been arranged. Like yeah, when my mum was in her teens. It? Late teens, maybe, though. Because... Um, I remember, I don't know if I remember this or I just know this legendary story, but like of my dad saying, oh, you know, this is the photo that I saw of your mum when I first was shown your mum. Isn't that weird? I love I think, that. But I don't know whether I've made that up in my head because I could, you know, do you know how memories get yeah. sort of hazy? Like, so the other day, I'm just going off on a tangent, me and Emily often go off on tangents. Our babysitter was saying that she had a head injury, right? And she's forgotten part of her teens. But not all of her teens, part of her teens. And I said, well, which bits have you forgotten? How does that work? And she said, for instance, there's a whole, there's a whole family holiday they went on that she has no recollection of. But then she says, but then she's been told about it. And in a weird way, and it's true, like when I'm thinking of memories from when I was a teenager, I'm just like, how real are those memories? <laughs> As this is probably, uh, young people that are listening won't relate to this. And how much is sort of reconstructed, because I know, so yeah. I've got photos and I've got stupid letters that I used to write. Yes, people wrote letters. Well, it's all through our perception, isn't it? That's what people say is that actually there's no such thing. That's why with the truth, it's your perception at the time. And then I suppose you store it away. Well, the only thing that exists is the now. This yeah, yeah, even yeah, us yeah. walking with Ray Ray from the entrance, that's mm. kind of gone, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I'm it's so, so philosophical. <laughs> <It's really laughs> so, Tell doing? me about that. I love the yeah. picture. Your dad had a picture. And he said, well, oh, no, this. we had this photo album. We yeah. had this photo but album. That would have been we had a few, but with photos that looked sort yeah. of like they had been paid for yeah. and like they were sort of more studio-fied <laughs> of sort of people in Bangladesh in all their refinery with their backs straight sitting up, you know. And, and it was like, there were these photos in this photo album of sort of my parents sort of looking youthful and all their family and they're all sort of made up nicely and, you know, I that. that sort of prized possession family and did photo that, album. Did your mum ever talk about that? Did she ever say about the marriage being arranged or did you grow up thinking that you were going to do that or did you just think, no, I'm not going to do that? I remember quite vividly that when I grew up, it was sort of thought that when I grow up, I will marry someone that's from Bangladesh and that they'll be Muslim. And then as I grew up, you know, grew old, I was cool with that. And then, you know, you everyone, sort of mum, dad with Charlie Brooker. I was like, well, and then I was like, I remember having these, look, you're, you're fast forwarding my story that I remember vividly. Right. So then at, uh, I remember thinking I'm going to get married when I'm 24. I was friends with this girl at school. Um, and she, you know, her, they had a tennis court in their back garden. Sorry, I didn't have a tennis court though. I had a rusty swing in my back garden. Anyway, that's not why I was friends with her. That made it sound like that's why I was friends with her. They all had tennis courts in their back garden. But the point being, you're not listening to the point. The point being that she had a load of sisters. She had three sisters. And they all sort of seemed to, I remember, have these like funny, charming boyfriends, you know. And we were like, and that, in those days, probably this is when I was about, I don't know, 10 or something. Yeah. But they could all play tennis really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they all got married at 24, it seemed. And then they had babies and like we'd babysit the babies sometimes, when we, like when we were a bit older, yeah. not, not at the age of 10. 
but I think, you know, and we, that, I remember hanging out with her family made me feel quite grown up. Mm, mm. And they'd like take us to a restaurant and stuff like that. And, and like, she was my best friend for quite a while, actually, in my younger years. But anyway, so her sisters set the benchmark that I was going to get married at 24. So, and then slowly this, this Muslim Bengali man was like, okay, well then maybe he'll just be Muslim. And mm. I used to like all those Levi's models, do you know, in the Athena, in, in the Athena posters and like when they had the... Do you remember Nick Cayman? Yeah. So, do you remember the man and the baby? The, in the Athena the poster? The Athena man. You know, there were the, yeah, the black and white poster of the man with the yes. baby. And then there was the Volkswagen Beetle with the couple drinking their coffee. Oh, yeah. No, I remember when we hadn't... Lo not long after you wouldn't get first the girl met each other. with the tennis two conversations. You said, I'm really in. embarrassed because um, I know this is embarrassing, but I'll tell you who I had a real crush on when I was younger. It was the man in the easy, like a Sunday oh, morning I know, ad. I know, oh my gosh, Halifax, cash card. And he was sort of in an apartment he and had he had a coffee and a newspaper. Yeah, he did. He woke up on a Sunday morning. He used his Halifax cash card <laughs> to draw out money, which was then so chic. <laughs> yeah. So, your idea of you don't so sorry, you were saying about the parents. And oh, yeah, the so then marriage. I revised it. Right, so because I wanted to marry those, 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 you know, one of those men. I was very young and naive. The sort of Levi's that. Yes. Yeah. Then I was like, well, I could marry a Muslim, right? And he'd just have to be like either a really fair-skinned one <laughs> or like he'd have to be from the Middle East. And then that's fine because my parents would be cool with me marrying a Muslim. But he'd look just like a tanned, one of those tanned Levi's that I'd made. Do you think as Isn't well? Isn't that awful? No, because I don't think that's... That's me wanting to fit in. Well, with the Sloan girls that I flick think their what hair. it's about, and I think that might be different now, is you having there being a real lack of role models mm. and high-profile people for you to look at. I didn't see Athena posters no. with Asian men on them. You still don't today, really. That's you the know, thing. That's and I the think thing. There was just nobody. The pinups yeah. were not Asian, were they? So, so that's why they made me racist against my own people. Yeah, no, but that's I'm joking. It. No, but Connie, no, it's, it's not racism. I just quite fancy those men on the thing. So I'm trying to dig out of this. No, but anyway. I think that's true. I think it's because there was a real lack of. What's really weird is that's so the opposite of yeah. my type now. Like that sort of male model, handsome type, just makes me think of Zoolander or something. Do you know, know what I mean? Anyone good looking, I just think, oh, you don't have a good I personality. Just think you're, yeah. but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Any good looking people listening? <laughs> Sorry, good looking we really people like out there. You. We're just trying to justify <laughs> our ugliness. No. But the thing is, it's true. I like, it's really weird to do such a sort of U-turn because Actually, that was the pinnacle when I was growing up. And did your parents, did you get the sense of... Oh, I haven't finished my no, story. Go on, go on. So then I You've revised it to that. Come on. Then I revised it to, yeah. to... Then I sort of got into sort of... You know, then I got older and I was sort of into sort of indie music and yeah, then yeah. long sleeve t-shirts that said and, yeah. James on it or whatever. <laughs> and I won a James limited edition signed watch from Capital Radio. Less than five. That's the only thing I've ever won in my whole life. I had to slip that in. Anyway, so basically, then when I was sort of realised actually there's models that's really uncool, mm. then I was like, I'll marry someone and I'll convert them. So you know, slowly I'm moving yeah. the goalposts here. That's interesting. And so, and then by the time I eventually got married, my parents were so desperate for me to get married. I think anyone would have fit the bill. They were literally like, "What? She's already in her thirties and she's not married. What? She's already in her, you know?" But did your they sisters didn't want have me a more conventional, like in terms of culturally conventional? Um, so as I said, the benchmarks move as time moves along. So my eldest sister. She actually met her own husband, but it was at a family do. And she got married at 24. Can you believe yeah. it? And but what that's about Because that was the done thing back then. 
Um, so he wasn't from Bangladesh, and he he was what we call um, Ismaili Muslim, which is kind of like Muslim. What's that called? I don't. Uh, well, it's people that. Uh, Mm, do you know the Aga Khan? Yeah, yeah. So that's the Aga Khan's branch. Got it, okay. When you were growing up, because mm -hmm. you you sort of play this down a bit. Oh, yeah, tell me. You were <laughs> tell me what I played yeah. down. But you were very academic. You see, you know what? This is true. I'm not playing it down, mm -hmm. Emily. I'm good at, I'm a quite a good blagger and a bluffer. You got an economics degree from Cambridge, Con. You know what? I did a third. The producer actually laughed. No, I at your attempts to be self-deprecating. You can't no. blag. You know what? A Cambridge economics degree. Shall I teach you? Anyone degree. that wants to blag a Cambridge economics degree, what were your I'm going to tell you how Connie? to do this. This is Connie, good. what were your A levels? This is a good life hack. Tell me your A levels. Physics, chemistry, and maths. But did you blag it then? Blag well, that maths A level. I, you know what? I was originally doing maths and further maths, and I know this is going to sound like how's that blagging? Did but you blag the further no, maths? The thing is, is the further maths is so mental that uh, you do maths in your first year and then I dropped the further maths but the maths seems easy compared to the further maths which is just like what the hell is now this Now you've language? told me you dropped the further maths I um, I totally agree that you must have blagged it. No, you know what, I didn't, well, what I was saying is I'm good at, uh, I'm a good crammer and I'm a good, good retainer, you retain information so your retention in, in the good. short, uh, like yeah. for two minutes yeah. so I have to cram before the exam I can't be doing it throughout the year and then go into an exam and do well because my short-term memory is good enough, is, which is works for stuff yeah. like, you know, telly. So you've got an exam. It works for telly. An uh, exam brain, as it were. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But then I dump it in the waste paper basket two seconds after that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'll tell you how I did the degree in economics. Mm. One third of my mark was a dissertation, right? And I did terribly in the actual economics bit. And the dissertation is actually socioeconomics which is kind of just like sociology and I got a high first in the dissertation and did dreadfully in the rest of the exam and the dissertation was all smoke and mirrors like I sort of presented it really well like this postmodern dissertation and this is when the internet was new and I put an internetography you know everyone puts a bibliography <laughs> I put all this internetography discography <laughs> like and like, with musical references and popular culture references and newspaperography I made it like this truly postmodern dissertation it was all smoke and mirrors. And did you? And the high first pulled up my mark for the rest, you know, for the rest of the economics that I flunked out on. I know, but you consistently, and your sisters as well. I get the impression that those you were sort of high achievers, really. You know, you've all done incredibly well. I think my middle sister, she's probably. My middle sister is probably the cleverest. My elder sister is really clever and really intelligent, but quite lazy. Right. And then me. What about you? Have you got a strong work ethic? Are you... I have if I enjoy it. Right. If not, if I like what I'm doing, yeah. So you must have... Strong so you work ethic. If I'm not that into it, I'm a bit... By the way, is it still raining? Is it raining? We could wonder. I noticed. <laughs> so I wanted to get that line in. Because it is quite romantic here, sort of. There's lots of greenery in like little terracotta That was pots so perfectly timed. Like, should we go down here? Should we go down here? So you got a sense, you know, when you were, I get this sense, I want to talk about your book. In a yeah. Minute. We'll get on to that. Yeah. You've just written a, your very first book called Cookie. Yes. And 
the reason I'm bringing it up now, rather than at the end, which is normally what you do, where you, you bring, bring up a plug, you go, oh yeah, and by the way, you've uh, have you got any for projects coming up soon? You're appearing on um, celebrity, <laughs> whatever celebrity, celebrity pickup dog poo, yeah, next week. But no, this is relevant because it's a kids book. Mm. Which I actually think adults would enjoy as well. Or adults would enjoy to It's quite kids, funny, isn't I it? I loved it. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a woman in my 40s, not going to be specific. And I whizzed through it. I was laughing. I Have you finished it? it? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I loved you it. You only got it, like, last it. night. This but is good. I love it. brilliant. It's Tell like, everyone it to read me the quite book. a lot adults about your Adults, the book. Well, yeah, it does, because doesn't it? Because I felt it was quite autobiographical. So growing up, like, and I know we've sort of had this conversation, I always sort of felt like it didn't quite fit in anywhere. Why so do you I think wasn't that was? the Sloney girls flicking their hair, mm. but then I wasn't sort of, you know, if I ever went to a library yeah. to, I don't know, get a book about a brown person, it would be about someone that lived in the village of Bangladesh and picked a mango for their mum or something, you know. And there were only three books in the international section back then anyway. And I couldn't relate to that either because I didn't go and pick a mango from my mum and from the tree in the village um and so basically i guess you know diversity and inclusivity is you know has come on leaps and bounds i mean i'm not even kidding but i in the book there is like her mum wears a sari in Mm. my little i've done these little comic strips cartoony strips haven't i so my mum wore a sari and i remember thinking you know i grew up in west london in ealing but i do remember thinking oh mum Oh, can't you just Did wear you? trousers when you pick me up from school? I mean, how terrible is that? Racist me. Uh, but it was society that made me that way. But or again, even is... stuff like, you know, if I had someone coming over back to our house on a play date or something, yeah. I'd think, oh... Are you going to eat curry? You know, can't we just have... I mean, we did have fish fingers and baked beans, don't get me wrong. But, you know, there weren't even extractor fans in those days. You know. <laughs> You know, but people did... Well, I mean, going back more, you so know... So that they could in, conceal in the, their culture. In the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in the 70s, sort of there was more racism. I mean, I was born in 75, obviously. but And I was born in Ealing. So it's not like I'm born, you know, in a sort of ghetto-y area. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know... OK, here's the point. When my nephew, who's now in his 20s, so this isn't even really recently, was seven, his favourite food was sushi. And my jaw nearly hit the floor. Because mm. I remember as kids, you'll remember this, yeah, you'd yeah, only yeah, eat yeah. fish in the form of fish fingers. It's but things were so different now, yeah. sort of, in terms of multiculturalism. You couldn't just go to a high street and eat, you know, wagamamas or chiquitos yeah. or nandos or, I don't know, what's another food thing from a yeah mother. just a, just a yeah, general italian sense of... pizza express there we go so when you ended up going to university did that feel did you get that sense of because that must have been there must have been so much happiness in your family your parents must have been proud did you think wow i'm going to cambridge my elder sister had been there so she probably got the initial mm. wow but i still got a wow but not like that was the wow she was the wow and then i was just following in her footsteps but prior Um, to that we should say you'd already started your tv career so this is a weird thing the whole tv thing we so me and my sister saw an advert in time out magazine for open auditions right and we were in this girls school and uh 
you know, and this is like, this looked like a fun day out. So we went to these- How old were you then? I was 16 and it was for 18 to 25 year olds. But it, we were just going for a fun day out. And I was only going because they were going, you know, so we all went on the this tube. This is like one of those terrible X Factor stories when they say, well, I know you've come along to keep your friend company, yeah. but I'm afraid you're the one we want to offer. Well, the that's probably why I got the job because I wasn't out to get the job. I was just there to look and see who you looked like hungry. Levi's model. You weren't, you weren't too thirsty the for it, you see. Um, that's why I dropped the further maths then. This is all tying up now. Right. Because I ended up getting this job, which I couldn't do. I was full time in school. But. So you mean you got the presenter job from the. So from I kept the getting callbacks yeah. from this audition and thinking, yeah, I'll never get that. And then I ended up getting it. But they couldn't choose between me and another girl. Were you not scared, Con? Or did you well, just. Well, no, I didn't think I'd be able to do it because right. I was doing my A levels. But then do you know what happened? This is weird. They got me a pager. No, a bleeper, not even a pager. Pagers are the ones that have writing on yeah, the messages. Yeah. There weren't mobile phones back then, and if they were, they would have been the size of a suitcase. Mm. This is what, 93? Mm. So basically, I job shared with another girl, and how weird is this? This is my first presenting job. Charlie Brooker, my husband, did his first presenting job with the same girl, who we're both friends with today. Who is Who's that? a lovely, amazing lady Gia Milenovic. Yeah, so me and Charlie both did our first presenting gig with the rather fabulous jibs. Those dogs look a bit big. Do you think I should put Ray let's Ray stay, up? No, let's stay in this. I like those on? dogs, oh, yeah. but I just think... I'm going to take you on a romantic Sorry, Ray spot. Ray, but they're too big. Look, look at those. They're like horses. Do you want to cross the bridge over a river? Oh, I'd love go that. go to a churchyard. Yeah. yeah so I go think. on. So then, so then you did that at 16 and then... Hang on. Was that so the news route? No, go no, on. No, because I'm just looking for this secret entrance to where the... Where I'm also, I'm going to point out here, and I know Connie won't mind this. Yeah, go on. But people might have people might have Switched come to this conclusion themselves. <laughs> but I was diagnosed with ADHD, and were you? Yeah. Oh, I've probably got As that, some, haven't I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. As someone who has it, mm. I start to know. You know, the first person who told me I had it was Lee Mack, and then I was interested in this because he's got it. It's quite common in people. Who do oh, amazing. Create, but people in the creative I'm industries. I'm my mocha. Do you see? Wow, that was ADHD. Sorry. No, but I don't think of it as a bad thing. You're talking to someone. That's why I'm friends well, with you. Why is it ADHD? Because I explained that I'm choking on my mocha because, because there's a your weird thought, fluttering noise. Because your thoughts work like you open different tabs on your browser. And that's what I do. And I think that's why we get on. You know how Charlie always says when we're sitting there together, we had to make a list once. Oh, yeah, of, of all the unfinished we... conversations so that we could finish them all. We sat down that's and true. went, Hang on, so what I thought made me, was just me being an interesting person is actually But that does make you an interesting person. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's degrees of it, isn't it? I think everyone who does some sort of performing has a bit of a degree of it. Okay. Because yeah. your mind has to think a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got to you. juggle loads of balls, especially if you're a presenter. I hear you. Do you see? Yep. So tell me about the job. So you. So were... basically, yes. Yeah, so so I got a bleeper, and I'd go and interview like take that and East Seventeen in my free periods. How cool is that? Then oh, at every school. Thursday after school, I'd go and record my studio links. Yeah. And do you remember Gaz Top? Do you remember yes. Gaz Top? He was the other presenter. So me, Gia and Gaz Top. Yeah. Oh, you must have been so excited. You're not telling right here. This isn't the secret pathway to the bridge. Should we go here? Anyway, no, well, uh, 
Yes, I mean, that sort of was quite cool. They took me to America to interview PM Dawn. <laughs> I know, and I was just the square Asian girl at the school. Were well, your parents okay I did wear it. my coolest clothes for that. Um, I wanted to take you to the magical bridge. I know. Over Troubled Water. I think it's down there. Oh, is it? We can go down that yeah, way. Yeah, should we go, go down, down that way? We can go across the grass because the big yeah, dogs have gone go and Ray likes country. the grass. So there, <clears throat> you... So suddenly, on my Ucker form, I had TV presenting. I think that's the only reason I got into Cambridge. Seriously, what other person has science the, uh, A levels and TV presenting? Chemistry. What did you get in your A levels, by the way? I got two A's and a B. Not Cambridge grades. No, it was back then. Three A's is Cambridge. It well, was back then because A levels were hard. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> there is that. So tell me. So after that, so you, you at that point, you must have. When you were at university, were you still doing presenting so, and no. stuff? So that's why I wasn't. So I was going to do engineering, right? And then I thought, oh, this presenting lock is good fun, mm. and it pays nice money. I'm going to do that instead, which is why then I switched from design. Like I didn't do um, engineering; I did economics mm. because I just needed a degree to have a degree. Yeah. But with my A levels, I couldn't really get onto an English course or something because it's all science. So economics was the default choice to have a degree. Um, and in the meantime, the executive producer of the show I had done. Yeah. So I did other bits and pieces of presenting throughout uni, little bits and pieces. But then after university, the executive producer of the show that I'd done with Gia became yeah. the head of children's at Channel 5. So I did their broom cupboard thing, which is called Milkshake. Oh, yeah. Blue Peter, I want to cut to that because that was obviously, that's what most people listening to this. I mean, I, when I've been out with you, people, it's, it's really interesting the sort of um, response you get because I think people feel real affection for you because it's that sense of you were on telly, you were the longest serving female presenter of Blue Peter. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it and it is the best job in the world. It's and you start, so and fun. when you got that audition, how did you find out about that audition? This would have been you'd graduated a few years. So I just graduated, no, ah. just the year before. So I, yeah. So I was out, fresh out of uni, started on Channel Five, and then Is they it down said, here Is you this, want to yeah. go, Tom? Yeah, on, to see if it still exists. Okay, well let's go for a little explore. Yeah, we're going down a little path now. It says Indian Golf Club visitors and new members welcome. Weddings, parties and conferences. Weddings, vomits, of us and funerals. <laughs> um, Emily Dean and Connie Huck available to compare. Um, yes, yeah, so basically what is amazing about Blue Peter is that it's full of sort of young people. Yeah. So it's like a sort of university of television. And I remember, you know, it was on five days a week at times. In yeah. fact, oh, do you want to just get Ray out of the way? Sorry, Sorry. we've just got a cyclist coming. Do you think people think you're strange because you sort of compare everything <laughs> that cyclist is? Why was she announcing? There's a cyclist going past. We're just getting Ray Ray out of the way. You're like, you've got some weird disease. Like you think you're a sports commentator. Okay, just... Uh, probably just thinks, I'm so glad I'm not friends with that woman. Who just goes, goes around telling her friends what's happening all the time. You're putting your hand in the, your handbag. You're itching your nose you're now. <laughs> Uh, going for a subtle side nose pick that just looks like you're going for an itch. And why is that tree spray like that? I know, it's what to get. Oh, that's to warn cyclists. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I see, because it's a bit of overhang. Yeah. They might clonk their head on it. So go on. Yeah, so basically, so when I got the drop on Blue Peter, I was pretty much fresh out of uni, but a very short stint yeah. on Channel 5. 
and um it was on five times a week at one point mm. as well so mm. that's monday wednesday thursday no monday wednesday friday on bbc one mm. and then tuesday and thursday on the cbbc channel so that's a lot of airtime to fill yeah so i always say things that i did in my blue peter years it's like dog years or something it's not like a normal yeah, year yeah I see. because time just flew past literally i flew to so many different countries you know you meet, I don't know, from prime ministers to sort of road sweepers. You to met Tony Blair. Yeah, I mean, he recorded a birthday message for your friend. He did. <laughs> Tony Blair recorded. Uh, yes, that's right. It was my friend's birthday. And we went into Downing Street. And you have to give your cameras up and your phones up. But I took the SIM card out and took my camera in. And I said, will you record a birthday message for my friend? He's like, oh, yes, yes, that's fine. Hello, happy birthday, love Tony Blair. And like, it was really funny. He just did it. And um, he signed her a birthday card as well. I did say to him, I've taken the SIM card out. And actually, it was when he was about to leave, actually, I did that. And everyone was like, when's he going to hand over to Gordon? When's he going to hand over to Gordon? And then we were briefed, like, don't ask him about when he's going to leave and hand over to Gordon. You know, it's when he did stuff like Little Britain and he was sort of doing a bit of a farewell tour type thing. And, uh, and I said, to, and I was about to leave the future, I said, Prime Minister, having been at the helm of a great British institution for the best part of a decade since 1997, do you think the time has now finally come? And then I went, for me to leave Blue Peter. And he was such a good sort. He went, no, no, Connie, I think you're doing a great job. You know, I could see people sort of twitching. And then, and then I put that at the front that of my really show reel. That was a call. I love that. I just thought, I, well, it's really weird, but I know this sounds like, the, oh, I'm going to sound like a right, I can't say wanker. What can I say? <laughs> can, can I say wanker? Okay. I'm going to sound like a right wanker, but You're not on Peter anymore. You can say I wanker. I don't know the protocol. You're not a big like, swearer, though. I'm not very sweary, You don't smoke. You don't drink. You don't do What do drugs. you do? You don't in the words of swear. No. Um, no, you I do murdering. That's what I do. But can we edit that out? Because I don't want people to know. I'm so like, I'm the best person, aren't I? You just wouldn't suspect me. So, any weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals, and contract killings. Yeah. Get in touch. No, so basically, um, uh, me, J.K. J.K. Rowling brought out her first book, and Tony Blair came into power. Yeah. Ninety-seven. Yeah. And then we all went out at the same time as well. What yeah. I mean is, one, so she was one of my first interviews. Hey, listen. Yeah. Okay. I want to know. Um, do you think Michael Parkinson used to do that? Hey, listen. Yeah, but <laughs> you, have to, rein me in. you have to rein me in. But um, it, after you left Blue Peter, though, Con. Yeah. Did you get? Did you feel? Because you decided to leave, didn't you? And you ushered the program through. You had you had the little bit of a. Skirmish. Um, yeah. the skirmish. <laughs> you didn't have a skirmish, but the program had the um, got into a little bit of trouble. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> with can you explain what happened with Blue Peter? We'll have so, to talk about that. Aren't we, we can talk about this. Yeah. There was a whole thing about lying in telly and editing things, and RDF, a TV production company, had made a documentary about the Queen, and they edited this bit where she comes into a room, I think, and made her look like she yeah. was storming out and got into a lot of trouble and then suddenly there was yeah. a whole big thing about you know have you ever been on a program that's yes. like people getting called in there was, was a, a bit you of a say witch we hunt. pay yeah thing, there was a there. bit of a witch hunt and basically there had been a competition on blue peter to name a cat and and the sort of blue peter cat yeah yeah the blue peter cat and the um and the name given to the cat Socks was gay, socks I yeah <laughs> but apparently 
Cookie got more votes, the name Cookie. And so there was, a, you know, this was a source of contention. Yeah. And so then we had to do an apology live on well, air. Did you and have to do the, the apology? Papers. I did have to do the apology. Were you quite nervous No. What did you really. say? Can you remember? I can't quite remember what I said. But I love it that you've called your book Cookie. I know. <laughs> and actually, it's really weird because uh, people have asked me if it's to do with that. It's nothing to do with that. Because I was nicknamed Connie, my name was Connock. And it's spelt Kanak because... Is it Kanak Asha or is that just It's Kanak Asha's my second name. I love that. So it's Konuk though, but it was from the Sanskrit for gold, which is Konok, K-A-W-N-A-W-K, but said at the right speed, that's more like Konuk, but it looks more like Kanak, sort of, if you take the Ws out. And so it was spelt weird and I used to cringe every time there was register of a new year at primary school when, when they'd go, Kanak! And then I'd sort of embarrassingly put my hand up and then go, uh, is it actually pronounced Konuk? Because it's from the Sanskrit that really got lost in translation. And anyway, it was too but confusing for everyone. how name like that? Well, of... so I became Connie. So I couldn't make Cookie Connie. Yeah. And she's not really me. She's really annoying compared no. to me, that character. I mean, she's... A, oh, no, I kind of love so her. She is so hot-headed, isn't but she? But we need to... Um, but anyway, so on. that's why I called Wasn't her Cookie. Wasn't this beautiful, Connie? We're just like friends. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring This is you. like a Monet painting. It is very pretty. There's golfing going on. It's absolutely beautiful here. We're on a little bridge. It's a bit of a poo sticks bridge. It's a poo sticks bridge. It's totally a poo sticks it's bridge. It's so lovely here. So you were asking about the lies. Yeah. So I met Princess um, Anne at mm. some do. Oh yeah. And then she said to me, oh, well, you know, I knew all about lies in telly before anyone else because she did filming. She said, I did the filming with Valerie Singleton where we went on safari in Africa <laughs> for two weeks. Didn't see a bloody thing. Then I watched it on TV and some lion cubs were being born, which was hilarious. I mean, can I say that? I can say that now, <laughs> sure. can't I? Um, and I was laughing. She's really funny. Is she? Yeah. I said, um, do you know of all the royals? I think she's the one I didn't, I'd get on with. She, I, I, I mean, not that they're her. bothered particularly. Come on, I'm really her. loving this. And look, this is beautiful. the churchyard. Shall we go back the other way? Yeah, oh, Are look, Colin, there's a little far? graveyard here. Tiny little graveyard. It's actually really pretty. I don't mind graveyards, you know. How are you with them? Me? Yeah. Oh, I don't mind graveyards. I love a good graveyard. There's one right next to my kids' primary school. And I often sit in it if I get to pick up because we're both we're both neither of us have got our parents anymore oh yeah we're both orphans we're not really orphans not really well is there a sort of um definition of orphan that means that if you're a bit older in adulthood yeah well i once wrote about this because i said it's weird when you say to people you're an orphan as an adult people laugh And they don't mean it horribly, but it feels like you should have the sort of red perm and have, like it is a bit tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow. We love you, Mrs. Hannigan. Yeah, you can't, I don't know if you can really call yourself an orphan if you buy anti-aging moisturising cream. However, I I did still get that sense of, when my parents died, of, oh God, it feels really strange. You know, it's that connection to the past has gone. But, so... Um, I want to, so you left Blue Peter, I did. and you carried on having a successful career. You did Extra Factor, which I I loved when you did that. I because loved, you made I it loved really doing Extra funny, Factor, but you it made it really different. Fun. You added something. Do you know what? I gave them Skype calls. They never had Skype calls, and a friend of mine from uni had give, gone uh, to work for Skype, and we uh, brokered that deal. So we had those Skype calls. That, that was, was the first time, do. though, I think I watched you 
And having seen you before, and we weren't friends then, but I thought, she's oh God, she's really funny and she's sort of knowing and bright and smart. But and I don't think people, all the, I don't know if people get get the sarcasm sometimes because they maybe think I think it was I think you were ahead of your time oddly <laughs> and I I do I, I think it was a bit too straightforward then in route one yes do you know what I you mean know, I think was, you were yeah, a yeah, bit yeah, yeah. don't and this is no offense to anyone involved in X Factor but I think <laughs> you were just a bit you were doing something a bit Anarchic. bright and interesting because you were slightly taking the piss out of it in the way that they would probably want you to now the thing about that extra factor was Simon decided to keep the artist's story. They weren't allowed on the show. Yeah. Which kind of meant we had no content. content. Yeah. Which is why we had to feel they only did that, that series. So but that... you're doing what you do, which is uh, you are so self-deprecating. Mm. You always think of reasons like, oh, well, that happened because of this. And then, and it's like, no, maybe you're just quite good. Oh, <laughs> I love you. Oh, Emily. <laughs> um, go on. So tell Charlie. me about meeting Charlie. You'd met him before, hadn't you? You'd met so, him in Edinburgh or did you meet him in uh, the TV? We very first met at Edinburgh TV Festival, yes. And did you think, oh, I really fancy him? No. <laughs> no. If you'd said to me that I'm going to marry Charlie Brooker, I would be like, no way. But we really got on. But yeah. I was seeing someone else then in those days. But we just got on really well. And then often Charlie would want me to do sketches and skits and things for Screen Wipe. But Blue Peter were very strict with me. They didn't let me do anything. Yeah. You see, if you work on other things on CBBC, they're not as strict. Whereas yeah. Blue Peter are very much, you know, cleaner than clean and whiter than white. So we were just friends for a long time. And then weirdly, when we did get together, I guess, when you're already friends with someone, you don't have to do all that sort of dating stuff. They it's so say, nice, isn't it? You can do the stealth dating. You can sort of check them out and think, oh, I wonder what you'd be like. But you don't have to put your cards on the table. You don't have to. But who broke cover out of no, you so and No, so shall I tell you how it happened? Yeah. Right? So I remember the dearth between Christmas and New Year where everyone's sort of at home and there's nothing to do and yeah. the sort of telly's a bit... I call it the featureless haze. Yeah, the featureless <laughs> haze. We were in yeah. the featureless haze, and I remember he rang, and you know we'd speak every so often and catch up, but we weren't like really good friends. Where I'd be like, okay, I'll call you in the next few days or whatever. And we were chatting, and I remember we we're chatting on the phone, and like suddenly it was like two a.m. in the morning, and we'd been chatting, and you know other calls were on coming through on call waiting, but I thought if I hang up, then then I can't just say I'll ring you back in two seconds because we're not. Like, yeah. Yeah, we've done our chat now. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like somewhere I'll just ring you back. You know, this is on the day, in the days when people spoke on landlines. Um, anyway, so I just thought, oh, that's weird. We were chatting till the early hours. Is there something in that? And then, like, then nothing. Nothing, like months <laughs> went past or whatever. Or, you know, we used to go to those BBC talent zoos often together because we were yeah. good party partners to hang out because we had fun. Or... You know, if we're both it's invited to something. It's a nice way to get something. to know someone, though. Without... And did you... Yeah, I remember actually being at a BAFTA Games thing with Jonathan and Jane. They didn't know. Ah, um, that you were together. No, but That's we Jonathan were Ross, on a by table. the way, which is how Connie and I met, was through our mutual friends, Jonathan Ross and Jane Goldman. So, so did you... Who was the first one to say, oh, I've got feelings? I'm catching feelings, as no, I believe you said. No, it didn't even say. happen like that. I'm going to tell you how it happened. 
then I remember, okay, so remember that conversation where I was like, oh, is that weird? We were yeah. chatting for ages and I was not picking up other people's call waitings and I didn't yeah. want to get off the phone. And then, you know, same thing, going back to being friends. Months later, I remember I got Skype and I was filming in Hawaii or somewhere really amazing. And I think he called or something, he had Skype. So I was like, hey, I'm going to try out Skype. And then we were chatting for ages and I was like, look, look, I'm in Hawaii or whatever. I, th it was, I yeah. was doing Jack Osborne's Adrenaline Junkie. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, and I think they, I can't remember, but I had time to kill. And anyway, and then again, we were just having this chat, you know, and it was like, hey, is there something weird in that? Because like we're chatting for ages again anyway. And then, like, where you think, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a frisson behind the scenes. And then nothing. Um, but, you know, all this time, we're just friends. And then I remember that um, I was single. And this is probably the first time when we were both single. Because you know how it's time. Mm -mm. Anyway. And um, so then, when we actually sort of got together... I was like, oh my God, I know I'm going to marry you. So like, we only just snogged or something. And then I was like, oh my God, it's like Kaiser Soze moment. You just knew. It all yeah. fell into place. But sort of. And then we did that thing of being so inseparable. You know that thing. But it was really weird because we had been friends all that time, but not necessarily good friends. And then we just met up this one time. One thing and I then, loved though, when you got together, and you told me this, and I know Charlie said it publicly, and I, I think I really respected you for this because... I think women are encouraged a lot, or were in our day, less so now, and this is a healthy change. Mm. In our day, I think you're encouraged to sort of keep your cards close to your chest, don't tell men what you want, sort of con them into a <laughs> commitment. And what I love is that I think it was a very feminist thing you did. <laughs> the true feminism, not just wearing a T-shirt, because what you did was actually say, look, I'm, I'm in my 30s, I kind of want to know what your plans are well, and i love that you did that charlie sort of wasn't in the market to have children he didn't think that was his bag and stuff like that he was a bit was he in a sort of space invaders kind of he's yeah. still kind of is <laughs> but hey that's another story um so i did i you know i was like yeah this is good and this is great but i know that i want to have kids and i want to get married so are you in or are you and out? how many months in were you then Oh, I think I pretty much said it from the get-go because I thought I don't want to waste time, you know. And even if people need time to realise So, like, if you on the scene, you said oh, that. Oh, no, probably after we... Now, after we first snogged, yeah, <laughs> then we were just inseparable after that. So I made it quite clear because I don't want to waste time. I haven't yeah. got time to waste on you deciding what you want out of life. No, thanks. I was really inspired when I heard that because I think of all the times, if I'm totally honest, that I've done what my generation of women were Head told to do, no? which is play the game, keep quiet, make him think it's his idea, all this stuff. And I think, actually, you're right. I wish so many times in my past, I wish I just asked the question. And actually, when you ask someone that question, if they even hesitate, you know the answer. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think that's... I love that you did that. I love that you just asked him. And he said yes. I sort of told him. No, I did ask him. You're right. I mean, but it sounds like I just asked him, like, hey, should we? I don't know. It's just kind of clear. No, you were, I think you were just, a, it's about not being frightened to ask, to state what you want. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Hey, this is what I want. Are you in or are you out? Yeah. Because I've got. 
bigger um, fish to fry. That's what women up. should be encouraged to do, I think, you know. I think you're right. Um, and then you had Covey and Huxley. Yes, indeed. Um, that way round, who are beautiful and I adore, and they're such sweet, they're funny, interesting, they're very funny, funny little boys. I mean, they are both real sort of, yeah, jokers in their own way, I guess. They remind Kobe me. has completely got Charlie's sense of humour. Really, which yeah. is the sort of. I don't know, just sort of seeing things in an abstract, funny way that's spot on. Yeah. He's good like that, you know, and he's quite surreal sometimes, but in a really intuitive way. Um, and Huxley's funny too, and they like making up jokes. Covey made up a joke when he was really young, which I, I really like. And he said, what did the man do when he saw his, what did the man say when he saw his God? Oh my God! <laughs> That's quite good for a two-year-old or whatever. Um, oh, I love this. Well, I know you've got loads to do, so I want to talk about the book. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, you started, this was, I got, I, you started writing the book. I remember you talking about writing the book. Yeah. And then you said, I don't want to do anything. And I respected you for this. You said, because you could have just, let's be honest, released something with your name, you know, because you're, you're a name and a brand and people associate you, I'm sure that, you know, with kids and it would have sold well and I, there is a part of me thinking, well actually you could have easily just said oh yeah fine put my name on that thing do you know what I mean and yeah, you, I remember you saying to me I want to do this properly or not at all yeah I mean I've been asked to write a kids book ever since I've left Lupita yeah and back in those days because I left Lupita like a while ago now um you know, I, it was sort of a bit naff to sort of, I don't know, bring out a makeup range and then have a clothing <laughs> range and then do kids' books and, you know, just do things other than what you're doing. And now yeah. I'm in a film. And, but now... Sorry, Ray's just Everyone does everything. Yeah. Ray's having a flirt with another dog. Pops! Go, go, go. Look. Come on, Ray, Ray, let Popsy go. Yeah, so go on with the book. So you've been asked to do that and you thought, no, I want to do it properly. I didn't just want to write a book for the sake of writing a book, because you're right, it's easy to put your name to anything. But remember what I said about how books didn't necessarily represent me, yeah. and I wasn't, sh you know, growing up, I don't know, I felt like a bit of an outsider. Other, yeah. Other, and we're all minorities in this massive, amazing majority. Whether you're a minority because, I don't know, you like the t-shirt you're wearing and no one else likes it, or because you're a train spotter or something. Yeah. There's always situations where you don't quite fit in with everyone else. And some of those minorities will be mean more and some of those will mean less, but we've all felt it. And so this kid in this book is an outsider, but mm. it doesn't matter that she's from Bangladesh. She's into learning, you know, but not into learning. It sounds so geeky and square, but actually it should be cool because knowledge is cool. So she likes sort of long, funny words and her humour is funny. And there is this TV presenter, but she's a bit naff. And there is someone that's like the cool, fashionable yeah, kid, yeah. but she's a bit naff and it's sort of putting stereotypes on their head. Yes. So actually it's cooler to have knowledge and know the long words because you can be really funny and yeah. witty and she has these she sees the absurd in everyday life and you know this there's this character with her instagram account and her followers and stuff and it's kind of trying to my parents came over to give us a good education from a society in which sort of being a scientist is revered yeah, and like yeah. they wanted me to go into accountancy or engineering or whatever, you know, and actually they came to a place where sort of being famous is revered and the amount of yeah. times that I interviewed 
kids on Blue Peter. And mm. I was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they're like, I want to be famous. And they don't know what for. They just want to be famous. And it's kind of trying, you know, we've got a real dearth of people in STEM professions. It's trying to just sort of challenge preconceived notions. Because she's passionate about science, the character. Well, she's into science because she's like, science, without science, we wouldn't have had any progress. We'd be cavemen. But I think I love that con because I agree with you. It's this disease of wanting to be rather than do. I want to be someone. Yeah. I don't want want to do this. When is enough enough? You know, you'll always be able to, you get the iPhone 1000. But the, you're happy for one, and then the iPhone 2000 comes out. Yeah. And then the 3000, so you're just keeping up with the Joneses the whole time to have more fashionable clothes and to be more famous or to be more rich or to be more powerful or whatever it is, when really all you can want to do is be happy in life. But people would still rather be the unhappy rich person than the penniless <laughs> happy person. But the penniless happy person has won, really. Do you think as well, and I'm always interested because I think there's a part of your life which is sometimes for example you'll go over to LA because Charlie obviously as I'm sure most people know he creates Black Mirror which you've you've uh, written one of my favorite episodes can oh, I say that's my yay, favorite episode yay. um do you feel when you go over to there and you're there's sort of like partners do you know what I mean which isn't what you are but there's that red carpet slight rubbish in a way which you have to do it's work isn't it and I sort of love that you're standing there and you've got a degree in economics from Cambridge and you've achieved all this stuff and you've written this brilliant book and I think you're just sort of thinking right okay I'll do this because I'm going through the motions and I have to do it but it's not you know we're talking about that fame thing that's just not some, that's not a car, it's never been a currency for you, has it? That well, you've always said, Oh, I hate people that dress up in like fancy clothes. I've seen I mean, you going to a black tie thing, and you once got a dress sent to you, and it was in a plastic bag, and you went, Oh, I'll wear this. And you look stunning oh, when it was on the red carpet. But bless you for saying that. But you know what the thing is, is I just want to be comfortable and happy, yeah. and I don't necessarily think and lots of people are made happy by yeah. wearing those clothes and doing that thing. And whereas I just always feel like, oh, I feel like I'm sort of in a costume almost. And, and that's the thing. I, I don't know. I think sort of society makes you feel like you have to have the million pound dress to wear on the red carpet. But actually, you know, so I did, I compared this rally for climate change in London uh, in Parliament Square. Yeah. And it was right before the BAFTAs. And I was like, there's no point in going home from Parliament Square to come back to the BAFTAs. And like, so I just switched my trainers to heels. I was wearing these sort of black long trousers and I had this like glittery top, but I just put a sort of netty jumper over it to compare the climate change rally. And then added earrings and heels and walked, you know, went across the bridge to the BAFTAs. And people don't really notice, really. But then if you told people you're doing that, they'd be like, oh, you can't, do you know what I mean? And you think actually what you did, you You can't go through a climate... Look how you'd spent your day doing something you care about as opposed to sitting in the hairdresser's chair for three hours with a makeup off. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. And also, but I think people worry that people go, your hair's messy or whatever. Yeah, but you've got naturally good hair. I'm not having this. but also, also, it's like we judge people too much on looks in general and we shouldn't really. You know, because it makes this keeping up with the Joneses society where you feel you have to have the immaculate show home house and the immaculate clothes. and, And that just breeds people wanting 
the next up, next upmanship, next upmanship. And actually, yeah. I'm all about bringing standards down <laughs> because I don't want that judgment on everyone. It's a big thing, you know. There's bigger fish to fry, really. And, you know, and the discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots and all of that stuff. People need what they call in Sweden lagom, just the right amount. And we've got climate change on our doorstep and all this stuff. And if people just had just the right amount and were happy with that, and everything else was judged as, oh, you've got. 20 pairs of trainers that's a bit much or whatever like you'd judge if someone came in a gold Rolls Royce <laughs> you'd go that's a bit much if I we... think Jimmy Tarbot was back go would on. you ever move to LA you guys or anything no. why not just not you I can't see you in LA I see yeah, you in I Ealing. See I see me in Ealing. I, you know, I couldn't even ever move to like Notting Hill Gate or something. So I'm never going to make it to LA. <laughs> you know, I just am too. I'd like to be surrounded by sort of people that are normal because there's no judgment when I come out. But you in and my Charlie are clothes normal. Now. Sorry, because I've got this picture of me going around in stained clothes now. I don't know how this became a running thing. But you and Charlie are normal because you've got a beautiful house and you've got. But you're not living in a gated community in well, Brentwood, which a lot of people in his you know, position we, would be. And we your didn't position. do that thing of sort of ripping everything out and redoing it because it just yeah. feels like a waste. I know people that rip out a fitted kitchen that only got fitted five years ago that's still amazing. And you're like, why, why are you doing that? There's people that are starving. Yeah. I do really feel that thing of like people are quite happy to shell out 50 quid on an Uber or on a another top that they don't need but then if you go look hey can you give 50 quid to these refugees and it's like oh 50 quid's a lot of money yeah but that is that's not their fault we only do what makes us happy and that top makes them happy Bonnie. and those trainers make them happy but because of how my parents wouldn't let me ever leave food on my plate and how i did this blue peter filming so early on my parents came from a village where you know i could have been that person in the village you know in bangladesh sort of without all these things can i ask you one final question which i like because um we, if your parents mm. were, were back here if you could have them someone asked me mm. who would you go for a dog walk with in one of those questionnaires recently mm. and at first i said barack obama and then i said actually my family i'd like to bring them back for one day just so they could meet ray and i could say i'm happy it's okay so they would know that Oh, do, do you think if your I mum and dad that. were back? Because if it's would a you day, it's just too sad that I have to send them back to death now. <laughs> I know it sounds awful. I couldn't, I just, they know I'm happy. I've always been happy. Yeah. I think they know. I'd have to commit suicide and come with them, but then I'd have to kill my kids and my husband and bring us all. And then I'm taking them away from the world to inflict them to live with my parents. They might not like that. It's too complicated. This weird thing that you've just thrown in front of me. I couldn't do that. Shall um, I hug you and say goodbye now? Yeah, let's say goodbye. <laughs> oh, I love you, Emily. Isn't Dean. she brilliant? I love you, Connie Hart. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.